You're listening to an interviewing podcast specifically created for the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse. The course, Communication Studies 351, Interviewing Principles and Processes. I am Dr. Ashley Hannah Edwards, and I am your professor for this course. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Mighty Resume. Now, many of you probably already have some version of a resume. It might be something that you put together in a first-year seminar or something that you worked on in a high school class, but there are a lot of different ways that we can talk about resumes. First, we can distinguish between paper resumes and electronic resumes. Uh, Probably the most common form of electronic resume is the social networking site LinkedIn.com. Uh, But a lot of what you see on LinkedIn is a generalized picture of who you are as a potential professional. On the other hand, a paper resume or a digital PDF resume, as it probably would be in 2021, is often tailored, at least in small measure, to the specific position that you're applying for. If you're applying for an academic position or admission, to a particular program, you might actually be working on not a resume, but the resume's sister, the curriculum vitae or CV. And really all of these documents, electronic resumes, digital or paper resumes, and CVs all have the same goal. And that is to summarize and synthesize your experience so that somebody who's reviewing that particular document can see what your qualifications are. Now, when it comes to resumes, we can think about several different factors. One of the first things we can focus on is what even goes on a resume. And this might depend a little bit on what kind of job you're applying for and what the parameters are that are set by that potential employer or organization. In general, though, uh, what we expect to see is your name and contact information. Um, With your name, you should be clear if there's a difference between your legal name and the name that you use. You should also, if you have former names, so like for me, I changed my name um, when I got married, and so my CV or resume would include both of those names just so that people can see this is who I am. And if you're trying to look back a little further, this is who I also am. You should also include contact information. And depending on the position that you're applying for, this can include uh, certainly a phone number, an email address. It might also include your full mailing address. And additionally, in the current day and age, contact information can include your socials, particularly depending on what kind of thing you're applying for. Um, This is especially a good place to remind you that you should be conscientious of what shows up on social media when you're applying for any kind of position. We'll talk a little bit more about that in the coming weeks. In addition to providing contact information, a resume should include an objective statement. Now, this is something that can be a little bit field dependent, but we're going to rehearse using them for this class. So an objective statement just clearly states right at the top of your resume what you are preparing this resume for. So my objective is to get XYZ position with XYZ company. 
And by being specific there, it's clear to the person who's reviewing your resume that you've taken the extra time to tailor that resume for your audience. You'll also want to include your education and training. So this can certainly include your work here at UWL. It might include previous institutions. You can include what year you graduated from high school, but that's usually something that drops off. Um, and then if there's any additional training that might be relevant. So for instance, if you're applying for a job as a camp counselor and you already have CPR certification, that is something that you could include as part of your education. You also want to think about other relevant experiences. So this could be work experience or volunteering experience. One of the things I often encounter when I'm teaching interviewing and resume writing to folks who are early in their work life, uh, folks who are college students or even high school students or folks who are just out of college and in their first or second uh, full-time job, is that sometimes you're drawing from experience that's not just paid work experience. It might include unpaid internships, although hopefully in 2021 people are paying you for your work. They might also include um, volunteer opportunities. So I, for instance, was a summer camp counselor unpaid uh, for many years, and that would certainly be something that I could include if I was able to draw transferable skills as I was describing that work. You would want to make sure that you're including any other activities or service, any relevant volunteering. Uh, it could be uh, extracurriculars if you're involved in clubs, for instance, on campus. And then any specific skills or certifications. Now, I offer a word of caution here, and that word of caution is important. Some folks put a long list of skills by just listing a bunch of different um, like ideal, transferable, employable skills, things like interpersonal communication and works well with others or knows how to use Microsoft Word. When we talk about skills and certifications on a resume, you want to be a little bit more strategic. And so instead of saying that you're interpersonally skilled, is there a way that you can show me that? One of my favorite rules for building a resume is show, don't tell. So to the extent that you can give evidence to support your claims in your resume, think of it as argument building. Uh, most of the time we just think about a resume as an informative document, but it's really an argument. And so think about what do I need to do to demonstrate? Like, yes, I can save my company money. So as an example of this, my partner is a software developer. And um, a few years ago, when we were getting ready to relocate, we were trying to determine whether or not my partner should leave the position that they're currently in and apply for a new position. And uh, so I, interviewing Professor Extraordinaire, uh, offered to work with them on their uh, resume, their LinkedIn profile, etc. And so I'm asking my partner, like, okay, tell me what you do. Because all of the, you know, bulleted points under each position made zero sense to me as somebody who is not also a software developer. And so one of the things that my partner was really like focused on was I develop and test software that can save my company time, money, resources. I'm like, okay, cool. 
how can you quantify that? Like, how can you make that tangible? And so what we came up with, one example, a specific example of my partner's, was that they created an electronic faxing application that worked uh, within the parameters of the company that they work for. And so I'm like, okay, do you have an estimate of like how much time or how much money was being saved? And he's like, no, I don't. But what they did have was a number of pages. And so if you look at his resume today, it says, develop, test, and monitor new software applications, including an electronic faxing application to interface with software, saving staff time, and approximately 900,000 pages. Because by giving that quantified data, it makes it feel more tangible to a person reading the resume. And so I encourage you to put skills on your resume if they're relevant things like CPR training or if you've taken uh, certifications in social media marketing, but I do not encourage you to put things like plays well with others or organized, right? Because those are things that don't hold a lot of weight unless you also couple that with some sort of evidence. And for most of us, we're probably aiming for approximately a one-page resume. And so you want to think about how can I use this space really wisely? What can I represent here? And how can I make the best use of this space? At the same time, you want to think about how you organize that information. So in general, we see education or training coming kind of right at the top. Um, And then most often we see a chronological format, but often like reverse chronological. So the top thing is usually the most current, and then we work our way backwards. The other thing I like about a reverse chronological resume is that as you gain more experience, it becomes really easy to just kind of chop off from the bottom. You could also build a resume that had a functional format. So if you were applying a job, uh, applying for a job that required kind of multiple specific functions, like let's say you're a computer programmer and you're applying for a job that would both have you developing software and managing a team, Instead of breaking it down chronologically, you might choose to organize it by here's my managerial experience and here is my technical experience, and that's pretty acceptable too. In terms of general guidelines, though, you want to make sure that your resume is honest and clear. I know somebody, I am LinkedIn Associates or whatever you call like a LinkedIn connection, Uh, with this person who I went to graduate school with. And they're somebody who did not choose to stay in academia, so they're in a corporate position. And I remember looking at their LinkedIn and just being like, what in the actual world? Because instead of saying like research assistant, they had all sorts of fancy language like like research organizational executive, which is not their title, right? Their title was like research assistant. It's an official title. And so when you do that kind of like resume massaging, when you use language that's imprecise or inflated, what you do is you indicate to the potential employer or hiring manager or admissions counselor that you might be someone who's prone to exaggeration. 
And so I would say the most important thing is that you're presenting information in a format that if verified, wouldn't leave any question about whether or not you're being truthful. The second recommendation I have for resumes is that you be intentional. So think about the words that you're using. I'm including an active verb uh, kind of resume word uh, resource on our Canvas page. Um, But one of the things I like to say is like, don't use the same active word more than once unless it's something you really want to emphasize. So in one place, you might say created. In another place, you might be talking about creating something, but you might be focusing on collaboration because you were working with another person. Because what you can do by being intentional and using active language to describe the roles that you've had is that you can emphasize broadly transferable skills in ways that employers will pick up on. You should also consider kind of the general mechanics of what your resume looks like. So think about things like it's much more pleasing if you have a bulleted description of your um, work experience if those are a single line that feels nice and concise and there's like no awkward like hangover where there's like maybe one word or two words on the second line. Uh, So it's visually appealing. And in line with that, one of the most underrated parts of a resume are actually the headings and the white space. So somebody taught me a long time ago when I was learning about preparing a resume that white space is equally important to all the other things that you put on your resume. Not that there's too much white space, but that you use white space intentionally. So including an extra space in between different job descriptions can be a really helpful way of getting the person looking at your resume to see those as separate experiences, including a larger headline for the experience section, the education section, the skills and certification section, whatever sections you might include on your resume, that can make it really easy for that person to key into the right spot on your resume. Because what we know is that the more work you put into a resume, in terms of making it organized and easy to understand for someone else, the easier it should be for them. And consequently, the more they can focus on the things that you've guided them to. So really be thoughtful about how you organize. In 2021, this also includes like, are you presenting a traditional resume? Are you using some feature like Canva, right? Like if you're not familiar with Canva, it is an online like simplified graphic design website. And they have resume formats that you can easily just like pop your information into. So you want to be intentional. When might a traditional Word document resume work really well? And in what instances might you like something that's a little zhuzhed up? Uh, I'm also including in the resource section on Canvas an example of a visual resume that was really popular probably like a decade ago in terms of just being something a little new and different, but still providing the necessary information. You also want to make sure that you're proofreading your resume. So if you say that you are a strong communicator 
And part of that is your written communication, but your resume is rife with typos. That reflects poorly. And for those of you who are CST majors, this is especially true. Our communication is evaluated with more weight or gravity than somebody who doesn't have our same expertise. And so proofreading is really critical. You also want to tailor your resume. I can give you an example with my CV when I was applying for professor jobs. So as a student, you might not be aware, but some institutions, professors are more focused on their research than on their teaching. It's by design. Like you get hired for a certain number of classes and a certain expectation for research. And then there are places like UWL where we prioritize teaching and research is a little bit less of a priority. And so when I was applying to different jobs, if it was a research-focused institution, I would move the research section of my CV up to the top. But if I was applying to somewhere like UWL, I certainly would put the, the teaching sections first. And so by tailoring in that way, you're reflecting that you know and have thought about who your audience is. Like I've already been saying, you want to try your best to show, not tell. The more that you can provide evidence to back up your claims, the more likely the person reading your resume is to put stock in what you've said. And then just simply value presentation. Think about what your resume looks like and how it connects or disconnects from what you're trying to present. The last thing I want to say about preparing a resume is that resumes are constantly evolving. The things that I did more years ago than I care to admit when I was applying for that banker job are not the things that I would do now. Part of that is because who I am and the amount of experience I have has changed. But part of that is that resumes are part of a larger package of like a dynamic culture. And so what would have been expected 15, 20 years ago might look a little different. So the other thing I always encourage is consider your resume to be a living document. While you're applying for positions, I encourage you to keep a working resume on your desktop. It's very easy to save a copy when you make edits to it that are job specific, but it also provides a really nice space for you to continue to go in and add material. So if you got a new certification, you went to a new training, you accepted a new short-term position, it's hopefully easier to go back in and add those things. So don't feel like the resume that you submit to me is the end-all be-all. It also can give us a little bit of comfort to know that the stakes aren't that high. I mean, they can be, right? You're applying for a job. You probably need a job to pay your bills. And at the same time, if you mess up the resume and that's an issue for getting one job, you still have the opportunity to go back and revise and try again for the next position. And you have the option to go back to kind of trusted mentors, whether that be contacting Ayana in career services or contacting me, Dr. Edwards, and saying, hey, I applied for this position. I didn't hear anything I'm guessing that they're not considering me. Would you mind looking over my resume and giving me some feedback? So be conscientious about the fact that even though a resume feels like a finished document, it's really just part of an ongoing package of materials that you might be using to seek out employment interviews. 
we're going to do another episode about what you can do to uh, create a tailored cover letter.